Hello, everyone, and welcome to Top Shelf, presented by the Game Sports Show, powered and aired by the Game Entertainment and Media. I am your host, Avery Roche, and this edition of Top Shelf is sponsored by the Sports Displays and Flawless Roofing. Joining yours truly tonight for this episode of Top Shelf are Dane Hantrow and Alex Parr. Gentlemen. That was an intro. He was saying before the show that he was nervous for his first one, but I think he knocked it out of the park. Absolutely flawless, <laughs> Avery. Absolutely flawless. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. And thank everybody for thank you, everybody, for joining me tonight, uh, as well as the viewers and listeners. Make sure that you subscribe to all the game sports show and the game entertainment and media platforms. A like, click, subscribe goes a long way, and we always appreciate it. Uh, tonight's agenda, we got a few things to touch on, uh, a couple of things from international hockey, including the ending of the World Juniors and the menace that is Connor Bedard, as well as international 14-year-old sensation Nella Lupa Sansanova. Sorry for butchering it, butchering it but um, that's uh, that she's been electric at the under-18, yes, under-18 uh, Women's World Championship as a 14-year-old. As well as that, there was a little bit of uh, injured reserve uh, news that came out of the NHL today, as well as the Vancouver Canucks are an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, they finally <laughs> admitted it yesterday for the first time in 10 years, so that's kind of refreshing to hear. Uh, so, without further ado, let's get to our first point, and that is the international hockey. Canada did win the World Junior Championship, as I'm sure everybody listening already knows. Uh, coming out of that, the biggest thing, I think, for most people was how fantastic and how how generational Connor Bedard is. So, boys, I'll let you guys touch on that. Dane, do you have any of the stats from the W right now? Because I know he came back on an absolute heater. Uh, I know in his last 10 games, he has over 40 points. So, um, he, he's basically averaging four points a game. Um I think a couple games prior to the World Junior starting and including kind of what he's played um, post World Junior. So, yeah, he uh, he definitely seems like he's already NHL ready. Um, we obviously watched the magic that he produced at the World Juniors, um, which I want to say uh, probably one of the more competitive uh, World Junior tournaments that uh, Canada's had to go through in a mm-hmm. while, uh, even with not having Russia in the tournament. So. Um, not saying, you know, countries like Slovakia are, are, and the Czechs are, you know, catching up to maybe, you know, the, the, the top, you know, big four, big five or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, an impressive showing by, by both those nations. Um, it, it's kind of nice being on the edge of your seat in the quarterfinal as a, you know, Canadian fan and, and, you know, going to overtime and then obviously watching Bedard just score that ridiculously nasty goal uh to win it and then i went to the patty kane heartbreaker celebration after which was real savage on his part but <laughs> I, I i loved it i loved it i i know we were gonna spend some time talking about bedard but uh shane wright was kind of invisible uh, i thought shane wright actually uh played a quiet very good game uh throughout most of the tournament obviously offensively you know bedard was racking up all the points but i kind of liked what uh shane wright was doing on the other side of the puck um i thought he was relentless on the back check i thought he made a lot of really good um he he had a lot of good turnover or not turnovers takeaways rather um in the neutral zone just you know pickpocketing guys uh that are were breaking down the ice and uh you know and then kind of going back um to the offense so uh yeah i mean uh as far as you know maybe what you know fans and, and you know people that like hockey um thought you know what shane wright might be 
I don't think he's going to be that guy that, you know, is a, a 90 plus, you know, point guy in the NHL. But I think uh, he definitely has the makings to be a really solid um, two way centerman in the NHL from what I've seen. So um, he scored a, a massive goal in the finals. Um, so I, I, I'm happy for him. I, I, I think the kids had a bit of a rough go, um, obviously falling down in the draft uh, to the fourth pick. And, uh, yeah, so he, he definitely had some pressure on his shoulders um, going to this tournament. And while he, you know, he, he, he was outshined and outclassed by Bedard, I, I thought that he played a quietly really strong game throughout the tournament. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. And I think the thing about Shane Wright, like you said, he's had a really tough go. He was supposed to be that guy, the next Crosby, the next McDavid for almost his entire life, right? And then when it came down to it, it he wasn't. And, and he like you said, he slid down to the fourth overall draft pick. And that's just something that I don't even know if he was mentally prepared for because of how much he had been propped up by everybody around him for his entire life. And I mean, yep. when you are one of the exceptional status players, that's usually like uh, you're going to be the guy unless you're Sean Day, for example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you have that exceptional status behind you, people think of guys like McDavid, John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, all of those guys, all of the guys who've come into the league and made an impact right away. So oh for so for it's hard for him, especially going into a team like like Seattle that's been really putting up good numbers this year and has been doing very well in the NHL. It's hard for them to find a spot for him to develop. Yeah, no kidding. And I mean, we're getting way off topic. We were going to talk about Bedard, but I was looking at Michael Misa. He's the the most current exceptional status player. 44 mm-hmm. points in 34 games with Saginaw. And now he's, I think that's where Shane Wright's going now, too. So he's just got another weapon to use. Kid's going to be gross. I think he went to Windsor, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, Windsor. Windsor? 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 Yeah. Him in the suit. You're very close, though. You're very the close. colors were close, man. The colors are close. The country's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like only about a three-hour drive from each other, so you're yeah. you're you're in the ballpark, buddy. And just the numbers we were talking about for Bedard earlier, his three games coming back from the uh, World Junior Championship, we're talking nine goals and five assists in in those three games. So just <laughs> yeah. to, just he's on another level, even even a higher level than he was before he left for the tournament. It's like he's gained some more confidence, which nobody needed, but <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, moving on from that, uh, let's talk about Nila Pulisamsonova, or again, I'm sorry for butchering it. <laughs> yeah, but, you can talk about her, you can say her name, and we'll just reference as her at this point. Yeah. So, she, again, I mentioned at the, off the top of the show, she is 14 years old, she is playing three years above her head in an under-18 Women's World Championship, and she's lighting it up, she's dominating, and it's not only the numbers that she's putting up, but it's the skill level of these goals that she's scoring, boys. Oh, my God. I mean, to pull off a of Michigan, I mean, the Canadians at the at the men's world juniors tried to pull it off and everybody was all over them. She's just doing it with no with no worries in the world, just easily just tucking it in. She had nine goals in five games. Yeah. And, and the, the, like you said, the Michigan, that was absolutely insane to see. Um, she had a tweener. She had one where she went between the legs, the old uh, Vinny LeCavalier NHL nice. 2006 opener. Yep. She had that one. She de- absolutely undressed. I believe it was a, I want to say it was even a Swedish defender that she undressed and then batted one out of midair after she had a save made on her for once. So 
yeah, she's just she's she's turned it. She's one of those people that you just feel like you're going to hear her name every day for the next 20 years. And I don't yeah. know if either of you guys saw the stats, but she is like 0.75 more points per game than Yurov Sovkoski was in the same league. She's playing in the U16 uh, boys league over in Slovakia and putting up better numbers than Slovkoski at the same age. That's nuts. That's insane. That is insane. And and good for her. The women's hockey needs somebody like that right now. Yeah. yeah Slovkoski. Like, I, 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 Go ahead, oh, no, Go sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I wanted to, like, kind of touch on, yeah, the, the, the numbers she's putting up against playing the boys. So, I mean, it, it, she's only 14. There's still a long time from, you know, the draft, per se. Um, 2026. But, but you never know. Can we uh, maybe see the, uh, the first female player uh, drafted to the NHL? Um, obviously, she's only 14. There's a lot of, you know years that she's going to grow into her body and and yeah so time will tell but i mean she what she's doing uh at her age at the level of hockey that she's playing is um beyond impressive um i i would argue to say just as impressive as anything connor bedard has been doing in the whl currently yes and i mean she's five seven too i mean she could like dunk on cole caulfield so i'm sure she could uh, at her size be able to at least Hold her own, especially if she's only 14. She's only going to get a little bit bigger, too. I mean, there's a genuine chance that someone would put a pick on her for sure. Yeah. You know, even if it's a last couple rounds thing and you want to take your shot on somebody with that kind of skill, I don't care if they're male or female. Skill, you just you can't teach that kind of that kind of talent. Right. I do have the numbers here. So she's putting up 3.1 points per game in a Slovakian U16 men's league. Slavkowski put up 2.34. So crazy absolutely crazy almost a full point more game that's wild so yeah, good for her shout out you'll hear that name for as long as you watch hockey sorry dana cut you off go ahead oh i just want to say shows how bad last year's draft was <laughs> yeah no kidding no yeah kidding. and that's actually a great segue into our next little thing we wanted to talk about here which was the ir uh, so firstly your Slavkowski was placed on the IR today, boys. He's not been too great to this point in the season, especially for a first overall pick. Uh, what do you guys think about what he's done so far, his development in the NHL? Um, I saw a post on Twitter where they were kind of like uh, glorifying him breaking out of the zone, making a pass and getting a pass back for a chance. And they said, look, look how good this was. It's looking good for him. And most of the replies were just, tearing him apart like yeah a first overall pick and carry a puck out of his own end give a pass and get a pass that's if that's the place that we're celebrating for him clearly he's just not making it to the mark that a first overall pick does yeah i think he's a a pretty big work in progress i i I don't think montreal drafted him thinking he was going to come in the league and you know score 30 goals his (laughs) first year um, he he does give me Yessi Pulleyarby vibes. Um, they they are very similar players in my opinion. Um, not to say that you know either of them won't become you know really good NHL players, but again, right? Last year's draft, um, there was a lot of um, uncertainty with it. Um, obviously, with lots of those kids not even playing the year prior to that, um, and probably hence why he did get drafted in front of maybe some of the kids that were playing you know major junior hockey in Canada uh, just because, you know, over in Europe, they were actually able to play um, some games at least uh, during COVID. So 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, Montreal is probably looking to tank anyway, so... That's what I was know, just about to say, Put the kid on IR, get healthy, don't fuck around with, you know, the future team there. Um, Montreal, just stay the course, and, uh, yeah, just keep piling on draft picks, and uh, hopefully they have a really, really good draft this year. I mean, I don't like Montreal, but, I mean, as an organization, they're hoping they have a really, really good draft this year, and they have a lot of uh, building blocks they can build around, but... Yeah, uh, he's just, uh, he's a work in progress. I mean, he's not a kid that was NHL ready. Um, So it's, I I mean, it's not my decision what you you should have done with him. But I think after the first nine games, I don't know, you either send him to, you know, junior hockey somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't even think he's allowed to go down to the AHL. So it's kind of like the same issues that the Kraken were having with Shane Wright. So I don't even know if you send him back to Slovakia to go play, but doesn't matter now because he's on the IR, so uh, not sure when he's coming back. Hopefully, he can kind of get a couple games and you know. Where do you guys, where do you guys want to see Bedard go, and where do you not want to see Bedard go, and like out of your realistic options? Hey, that's uh, a good point. I, I think it would be exciting to see him play with Zegras, yes. and, and McTavish in in Anaheim. I think he wants to go play for Vancouver. And I, I personally think he's going to end up a Chicago Blackhawk playing for an original six team, but we'll see what happens for me. So in those, cause those are my three too. I, I would, my first pick and they're bad enough to do it. The Vancouver Canucks. I would love to see him in Vancouver. I guess I'm a sucker for a hometown kid playing at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I.e. John Tavares in Toronto. Right, right, right. But beyond that, I think the place that would be very a place that would be very fun to see him play would be Vancouver with with Zegras specifically. That that would be awesome for me to see. The only thing and, is, is like the Canucks have 13 more points than the last place Blackhawks, and I know the draft lottery is a bit of a crapshoot, but that's still a big differential for how many spots they have to drop. I would agree, and and if we're talking about chances of getting a Montreal. They also have the Panthers pick, and the Panthers haven't exactly been world beaters this year. If they finish bottom 10, they get that. And the Panthers traded that pick for a couple months of Ben Sherratt. So, <laughs> so a thought of mine, how would that be the most lopsided trade in NHL history? If I'm a loose fan. If you want to have this talk, let's, uh, let's start drinking. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it, honest to God, if Montreal ended up getting... Bedard with the Panthers pick by way of Ben Sherrod. That's what we're saying. Oh, my God. Yeah, it would have to be up there, you'd think, right? Obviously, depending on how... The thing was, is it was the first plus-plus. Jeez. And they didn't protect it either, did they? Not protected at all, because what President's Trophy team thinks they're going to finish in a lottery spot the next year? Yeah, touche. I don't personally care where he goes. I mean, if it's not in the Atlantic, that would be nice. But I just, just don't send him to Arizona. Okay, Gary, if you do anything, you get to keep the team there, be happy. Don't, don't waste the talent there, though. Don't, don't let that guy play for 3,000 people a night. I don't want to see that. The league doesn't want to see that. Just not Arizona. How yeah, I, I, I think be. Gary Bettman's either going to go out of his way to fix the draft to make sure he definitely doesn't go there, or that is exactly where he's going to go. Because for whatever reason, for whatever reason, he just doesn't want to give up on the Arizona Coyotes. And, like, they're playing in a fucking barn with, you know, only 5,000 seats in it. And 
I mean, and that's not, not ju- that's not just this year. That's for another couple years coming up too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. yeah. So it's it's not a good look for the NHL in my opinion. Um, does Bedard go down there and and maybe you know yeah people in Arizona start giving a little bit more fucks about hockey potentially, but I think original yeah. six team Vancouver or Anaheim I would be pretty okay with him going to all those teams um that being said chicago might be out of the mix just based off of the um allegation or not allegations the things that actually happened mm-hmm. within that organization last year so maybe yeah, maybe Batman gives them the old pp slap this draft and they uh they fall a couple a couple picks which isn't terrible because the top five picks in this draft are i mean you yeah. can't miss right so if you don't get bedard you end up with fantali maybe you get that mishkov kid um but he, you know, is apparently uh, stuck in Russia for the next uh, couple of years as he's under contract. So he uh, won't be in the NHL right away. But lots to choose from. So that's yeah. what I got for those guys. Just like, could yeah, you guys no imagine way. if the NFL was like, okay, um, the, I don't know, the Raiders. Oh, well, we don't have a, an arena deal for you. So you're going to go play at the high school down the street. That would never happen. I hate that, that the NHL just lets these sideshow things happen. Well, and imagine if the guy who's been billed as maybe the best, best prospect since, like, Wayne Gretzky plays the first three, four years of, an, of his career in a university barn. No kidding. And, like, oh, just seeing the away locker room is just a bunch of curtains set up around the room and that's his first taste of the league that's a joke i just i couldn't i i I couldn't stomach it like as a fan of the league i couldn't stomach it bullet arena great name though it is a fantastic name and they and they apparently have some pretty good fights in the stands there too so good for them i guess is that when that video came out i remember not too long ago i saw two people (laughs) absolutely scrapping in the in some stands but i didn't know it was in arizona oh yeah that was arizona they all had their fake mullets on yeah oh yeah, okay, I had to have been them then. Oh my god, that guy got slapped. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of absolute dumpster fires, because that's my favorite <laughs> word today, let's move on to the Vancouver Canucks, who Jim Rutherford, their general manager, came out yesterday and and basically w- waved the white flag. He, he said he admitted they're not good enough to, to make a playoff push. And he ch- flat out said, we want the last, we want the first overall pick. That's what we want. He then went on to talk about the fact that the the offer that they have for Horvat he felt was fair up until what Horvat has done this year, and he understands that Horvat needs to make his money, and that he's probably going to end up leaving. So that brings the question: When are you trading him? Uh, and there's a whole lot of other moving pieces out of Vancouver, right? They have so they do have some top end skill. You think of Besser, you think of Quinn Hughes, you think of Elias Pettersson, Horvat. Uh, JT Miller has been a defensive nightmare. I won't even mention his name in the skill category, but the rest of those guys I mentioned, those are pieces that you would think you would want to build around. And to come out and the word he used, and it's interesting considering the Tanner Pearson situation right. uh, and the, the mishandling of his injury, or or so Quinn Hughes says, um, Jim Rutherford says that they don't need minor surgery in Vancouver. They're going to need a major operation. Those were his words, not mine. What do you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's, like, pretty bang on in what he said. Like, they, it's it's a team with a lot of good players, but it's just still a bad team. I mean, you kind of look up and down the lineup. Obviously, defensively is really where they're hurting. They they can't hold a lead this year. Um, But 
they, they can put the puck in the net. They got, you know, semi, you know, superstar kind of players with Patterson, Hughes. I mean, Bo Harvat's having a career year. He seems like he doesn't want anything to do with this team going forward. Um, likely will be traded at the deadline. I would almost guarantee that unless they can somehow work something out uh, with a deal. Um, but yeah, I think it really breaks down to the leadership's not there. JT Miller sounds like he's just not the funnest guy to have in the dressing room from time to time. Um, it's it, 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 it just doesn't make sense why it's not working. Um, I, I mean, are they like a defenseman away from being better defensively? None mm-hmm. of their goaltenders have a save percentage over 900. They're, I, I would imagine, have to be in the bottom of the league or very close to the bottom of the league as far as uh, goaltending stats go. So, yeah, it's, it, it's a matter of how much do you blow up this team. I mean, you just signed using Patterson to, to, you know, big long-term contracts. Do you, do you, do you try to them and, 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 you know, Chicago Blackhawks style, blow it up, like trade everybody. Um, well, I, I think the big issue with them is they've really needed to do that since the Sedins retired. Like they've not been good since then. And it's mostly due to ownership and management all the way through different management, albeit, but management and ownership not realizing and understanding that it needs to be done. Sometimes you need to pull a Toronto tank, get your Matthews, and then look what happens. You go six straight years being a top five point getter in the league, right? And they've wanted to retool when they really needed a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And it's been going on for the better part of a decade. Yeah, the, the, the bubble playoff, I think, uh, kind of set them back because I think they were really trying to stay the course that year, but they kind of overachieved. They they won the whatever, the, the first round, which wasn't even technically part of the playoffs, the play-in round, and then won a first round. And then I believe they, they took, um, oh, who did they lose to in the semis? But they went to game seven. Like, they, 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 they had a, a really impressive playoff run, and I think – they ended up jumping the gun after that. And, they lost uh, the and, and, Yeah, and I, 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 I could be wrong on this, but I think after that is when they, they made the move for Ekman Larson. Oh, and, what a trade. Yeah, and that, I mean, he hasn't been terrible, but I, it, it definitely hasn't worked out, you know, for the whole Just season. got scratched. Yeah, he was so. an eight-plus-million-dollar healthy scratch a couple oh, days did ago. He get, did he get healthy? Okay, well, he was playing decent at the start of the year. I mean, I don't follow Vancouver <laughs> as much as maybe I should, but... Uh, He's uh, yeah, minus 15 on the year. Well, I think yeah. every player on their team is minus something this year, but... Well, and another big thing, another two big things out of Vancouver that, that really pile onto the fire here. They don't even, they have no confidence in their coach, but they won't fire him because the owners don't want to pay some more than one coach. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I think they have a couple coaches still on payroll, but they won't fire Boudreaux, even though he's really lost the room and it's it's completely evident. And another thing that they've done that really, really shook the room was they signed JT Miller to that deal before their captain in Bo Horvat. Wow. Really? Yeah. And the JT Miller oh. deal by the game looks worse. And Bo Horvat looks like he needs a deal by the game more and more. Yeah, JT Miller is so, second last on the team in plus minus, minus 13. But there is a positive. There's a Elias Pedersen, plus 11. Looks yeah, he, he, he's been the one, you know, shining star for, for this team this year. Um, I think a guy that, while he he's, he's had a couple of decent last couple seasons, has... 
I think probably in his mind and in the organi- the organization's mind has underproduced a little bit and he he's definitely going back to that that player that I think a lot of us seen you know two three years ago and we're mm-hmm. like this kid's fucking good at hockey like the, the, yeah. this is this guy has the potential to be you know a, a top 10 forward in the NHL and and I think he, he he's showing that this year that he definitely has that ability to do that but obviously the pieces around him um, just aren't there and yeah it's it's the back end it's 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 you know the forwards aren't playing good enough defense the defense aren't playing good enough defense and the goalies aren't stopping the puck so <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a recipe for disaster, and uh, I I think uh, Jimmy there is going to be making some very very bold uh, moves uh, sooner than later. Um, obviously, market value is a little bit higher uh, prior to the trade deadline, where it starts decreasing closer to that clock. Uh, mm-hmm. Once it hits five o'clock or whatever it is when the uh, trade deadline's done. So, yeah, I mean, if they if they can't get Horvat. I don't know if they can move JT Miller with that money. Like, they might just be stuck with them. But Horvat, you can definitely move that guy. I don't know if you want to keep Hughes and Pedersen for the future. And, like, do they want to be there for three or four years while they suck? Probably not. Like, they've already kind of been through that, right? Like, this is, like, a time where these guys should have that team around them to, to be able to succeed. So... Yeah, lots of big decisions. Um, I don't know if you just start trading everybody for first-round picks um, in this year's draft and hope that you, you know, at least move up into the top three and get a really, really good player, top five, and and go from there. But yeah, if you're a Vancouver fan right now, um, it's devastating. Yeah, I'm sorry if you are, man. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, we just spent like ten minutes laying into your team. Just but, absolutely. Yeah. Just so another much, interesting. So, so much potential. One. That's all I want to say. Yeah, another interesting one for me out of Vancouver is I'd like to see the situation. What happens with Brock Besser? Because there's been a lot of years that that guy's been in the league and he's provided a lot of goal scoring for that team. And I think some teams could really benefit from that. See, I know he's an American guy. I believe he's from the Minnesota area. Do you think of any teams that might be in on him? Other, if, if you can't get the Bull Horvat, which is really the hook, line, and sinker out of Vancouver, but if you can't get him, you're probably looking at a guy like Brock Besser because I don't think he wants to be there either. Where do you see some good fits for him? Oh, I, mean, I, I a top line winger, or a middle winger. Okay. I, I, I think any team that's going into the playoffs would be looking to add, you know. Uh, uh, a guy that has some score goal scoring ability mind you he's never scored over 30 goals in a season so and and he's injured every yeah he's never played a full season full season but i'm looking at a team like boston if boston can't you know pull the big deal with like patrick kane boston would definitely be a team that i think uh brock besser would would fit in very well to you know, maybe maybe spread out the love uh, throughout the lineup a little bit. Um, Jake DeBrusque was having an unbelievable season. Yeah. Are, so I think that would be a really good replacement for that guy. Um, I think the Rangers are obviously looking to, to add pieces. Um, and, and they have guys they can move, right? Like, if I'm Vancouver and I, I, I want to do this, like, I'm trading Bo Har- Horvat or Besser to the Rangers for, for Lafreniere. I mean, it's not working out there. They've they've misused him the whole fucking time. The guy plays left wing. They put him on the right wing. They don't let him play with any of the best players on the team. It's just 
it, it's, it, it, I mean, it's been a disaster for the Rangers because you got to look like how good this team is. And they got Capo Caco and, and Lafreniere, like, you know, averaging maybe 30 points a season. Those guys yeah. were, you know, kind of at the spot that they thought they would be at at this point in this career. I mean, we're looking at the Rangers probably being the best team in the NHL right now. Like they got good defense. They got the goaltending. I mean, not great defense, but pretty good defense. Uh, great goaltending, obviously, with Shesterkins, and and they and they got the guys up front. Um, so the Rangers have the pieces to make big moves. So yeah, I like Besser uh, in either of those two teams. For but sure. now with Rutherford even acknowledging the fact that they kind of have to trade Horvat and they're prepared to do that, does that not affect his trade value and lower it? Because now these teams are like. We know you have to trade them. You have to do it by this date and this time. We don't have to give you absolutely everything. You're the guys that have to make the move. Yeah, I I don't think you're wrong in saying that, but it's still going to be a bidding war just because of how good he's been this year. Yeah, and, and I mean, centers always have a rental. premium. He's a pure rental too, but, uh, sorry, Horvat, right? He's a UFA yeah. this summer. So he's a... Juicy, juicy piece for anybody at the trade deadline. Like, people are going to be kicking around on him. People love that guy right now. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely teams that could probably do a sign-and-trade kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, I believe, actually has some cap space somehow. Um, not much. They got $3 million in cap space. So that's a team that can probably move some pieces around to get it done. I mean, I, I don't think Bull Horvat comes with a huge cap hit as it is. I think it's, what, $6 million per year or something it's like that. Right? So, that. Yeah. so uh, I, I think Winnipeg's a team that's uh, playing really, really good this year. Um, that That's probably going to look to add something up front. Um, so, yeah, look for the for, look for them to, 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 you know, maybe make a move. But the rest of the – most of the teams that are in the playoff mix right now don't have – any cap space so no um, no and that's a problem for another day it's going to take a lot more time than we're allowed in one show to talk about the cap oh god (sighs) it hurts my brain sometimes it hurts it it truly does speaking of the cap just a couple of signings happened this week in the nhl uh just curious for your guys thoughts on them pavel zaka uh, signed for a cap hit of 4.75 i believe it was either a four or a five-year deal just quick thoughts on that uh, Jay Fresh has some like average stats on him. He's pretty big on Twitter for going into like the advanced stats and kind of oh, making yeah. them easier for the average guy. Uh, really we recommend love Jay following. Fresh. Him. We love Jay yeah. Fresh. Jay Fresh is great, but everything that he suggested was just he's like a middle winger, you know, middle second third line guy. Okay, defensive stats. Okay, offensive stats. Seems like a little bit of a premium for him, but I know after Krejci's gone, they'll be a little thin at center. So I don't I, I don't hate it and I don't love it and I think that kind of makes for a good deal. Fair enough. And secondly, seven by seven for Matt Boldy in in Minnesota. Yeah, I I, I like Matt Boldy's game a lot. Um, seven times seven. I mean, you're you're banking on him to to you know to be consistent, obviously, over the next yeah. couple of years. But this is just kind of how the NHL is going. Uh, you you really gotta gamble on your young players, right? Like we look at what happened with Darnell Nurse, when we have been just been better off fucking paying the guy the seven million dollars he asked before the bridge contract. Probably. Yep. 
Because he is yep. a $7 million defenseman. He's not a $9 million defenseman. I mean, I can talk about Darnell Nurse all day. I totally, <laughs> downs, but, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, uh, it, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think it's I think it's a probably going to be a good deal. Um, I, I am surprised that Minnesota and, and Billy Garrett are, are handing out these big contracts, especially, you know, since they're still paying Prize and, and Suter for... I don't know, probably the next four or five years still. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my God. They're paying them all the way into 2027. And for the next three years, they're paying them at least six apiece. That's horrible. Yeah. Like, you're just, oh, you're absolutely crippling yourself for the future. But yeah, the stats are good, though, Dan. Like, I mean, rookie season. Oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's an awesome player. I love him. Yeah, that 47 ball. games in his rookie year, 39 points. This season, 42 games, 29 points. Uh, not really much of a fall off there. First round pick, yeah. 12th overall. I, It's pretty good. I mean, you got to lock up the younger guys earlier, like you were saying. And like you say, it's just the way of the road now. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I mean. It's like, do you pay him, pay him what he's making now, seven, or do you pay him, you know, two more million dollars if he goes off over the next two years with a with a bridge contract? So, yeah, it's, exactly. uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of gambling, but hopefully it uh, it pays off for Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota fucking shit kicks Edmonton every time we play them. I hate playing Minnesota, so I watch this guy <laughs> enough, and he usually plays pretty well against us. So, I think it's a good pick. They're a good signing. Fair enough. I, I, I tend to agree. I think, like you said, locking them up for seven years, I think, is the key part there. The seven mil is that's a lot of money. But to have a guy who, like you said, Alex, through his first two seasons, has been putting up pretty, pretty good numbers that to lock him up for that long is, is a key thing for them to do, especially because they're so crippled by those two other con- contracts. I mean, yeah, $7 million to put up those numbers is what a guy in his prime is probably going to get, too. So if you're paying for for longer years for a younger guy, I think it just makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So anything else you guys wanted to get off your chest this episode? Uh, no, I think you did an excellent job in the absence of Dave. I know he said he's handing out the reins to a couple more people to host a couple more shows. Um, and I think you did fantastic. I don't think you had a thing to worry about. I, well, I, I, I agree. I think it went very well. Do we miss right. Dave yet? I, I don't know if I'm there yet. Soon, but not right now. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Top Shelf, presented by the Game Sports Show, powered by TGEM. This enter- uh, edition sorry, was sponsored by the Sports Displays and Flawless Roofing, as I mentioned off the top. Hit like, follow, subscribe on all platforms. And if you're interested to do a podcast, please reach out to us or email uh, thegameentertainmentandmedia at gmail.com. Uh, and other than that, thank you for listening to my first episode here of Top Shelf. I appreciate it. Uh, if you have a chance, we, I upload a podcast every Sunday through the game Entertainment and Media. It's called Bitter Rivals with me and Gatano, who also hosts, uh, what's that called? Full Time. He does Full Time with Scarpino. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, if you like our voices, then come, come listen. Not many people do, but if you do, come listen to us on Sundays. Other than that, thank you very much for listening today. On behalf of Alex and Dane, we appreciate it, and uh, we will catch you again later.